Welcome back to another edition of the Piano Rhapsody podcast, where every Tuesday you join me, an amateur piano player, striving and struggling to play concert-level pieces like Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, maybe even on this very podcast one day. But in order to reach that goal, first we must take steps. And every week, we take a metaphorical step by dissecting a piece of music that I encounter along the road. This is episode 3.3, the third stop on our trip through musical history. We left off last week in the classical period, which took us from the years 1750 to 1825. We're going to pick up right where we left off and enter an era spanning from 1825 that will take us all the way to the start of the 20th century, a period of time known as the Romantic Period. Now, there are many famous composers that help define this era, but since our focus here on this particular podcast is the piano, I think it's difficult to argue against Chopin being the primary influencer of the Romantic period. Few composers focus specifically on the piano during this time, and Chopin devoted his life to expanding the limits of the piano and reinventing forms of piano composition. Other prominent Romantic composers that contributed heavy-hitting piano pieces are Franz Schubert, Edvard Grieg, Felix Mendelssohn, Peter Ilyich Tchaikovsky, and Franz Liszt. And certainly that list is not exhaustive. But those guys will give you a great survey of this era. So what spurred the want for change during this time? Well... Romanticism was kicked off by the social and political upheaval following the French Revolution, and it will probably come as no surprise that the geographical center for this movement was Paris. It is also unsurprising that one of the premier features of this period is a strong underlying theme of nationalism. Composers during this era dove into the history, myths, folk songs, and dances of their native countries, and use them as musical landscapes for their compositions. Hmm, loyal listeners, perhaps this concept sounds a bit familiar? Do you happen to remember a few weeks ago when we talked about Mr. Isaac Albanis, a Romantic-era composer, and we looked at a prelude from his work Espana, a collection of six short piano pieces based on Spanish dances and folk songs from the Spanish countryside. Or we could even jump back a little further to the prelude episode on Chopin, the king of romantic composers, and his prelude in A major, which was based on a Polish dance called a mazurka. These are two fine examples that we've already seen of romantic nationalism on display. So aside from the surging feelings of national pride, the composers of the Romantic era tended to shy away from the strict forms of the classical period, like that sonata form that we took a look at last week, which dominated the classical era. Instead, there was a focus on emotionalism and storytelling. Composition wasn't focused on as an intellectual pursuit, but a method to convey feeling and character to tie together more concepts that we've talked about in this podcast already, let's call back the general idea behind Chopin's set of preludes. 
each one of his preludes reflected an aspect of his personality. Each piece was supposed to evoke a specific emotion. While the entire set existed as a sort of complete portrait of the artist. Also, the preludes did not follow a specific form, but comfortably existed together, like members of a dysfunctional little family that marched to the beat of their own drum. Musically speaking, a lot of interesting developments occurred during this time. As music was breaking even more from strict structure, it was becoming more rich and warm. First of all, harmonic choices were expanded. Romantic composers, especially the late romantics, utilized chromaticism, which extensively used notes outside of the prevailing key. This introduced concepts like dissonance and massive chords into the mainstream, which produced a feeling of harmonic tension making music more interesting by invoking an emotional pull. Once again, we could call back to our previous knowledge on this very podcast and take a look at Chopin's Prelude in E Minor, where the left hand falls slowly and is a great example of chromaticism, inspiring an emotional feeling of despair. Rhythm was another game-changer in the Romantic era, and Chopin was a leader in the charge. Up until now, pieces faithfully followed a strict metronomic pulse of that click, 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 and they rarely ever changed within the piece. The Romantic period brought with it the concept of rubato, a term taken from the Italian verb rubare, meaning to steal. The concept is that one beat can steal some time from its neighboring beats. This allows a fluctuation of rhythm and time slowing down here, speeding up there, in order to elicit an emotional response. This gives the performer a great deal of interpretation and artistic license in the performance, and is probably one of the major reasons that I start to feel at home with the music of this era. Since this time in history included the incredible performance talents of pianists like Chopin and Liszt, Romantic-era music can get exceptionally difficult. Romantic composers, these two especially, really pushed the limits of what the piano was capable of and redefined the meaning of piano virtuoso. Composers also communicated more in their music. While Baroque sheet music is pretty much a page of notes without direction, Romantic-era composers included a plethora of instructions to their performers, including dynamic markings, indicating a wide range of expression, tempo markings with specific numbers of the beats per minute, and even began to include titles to name their works. Many new types of piano compositions were introduced during this time. Waltzes, nocturnes, elegies, mazurkas, polonaises, fantasies, etudes. We'll discuss these as we come across them in the future. But for today, let's take a look at a short piece from a lesser-known Armenian and Russian composer, Janari Karganov. Now, there's not much information 
that I could glean from this composer or this piece online, which might have something to do with the fact that Karganov died on tour at the very young age of 31. But this is a fine example of a piece from the era. First of all, it has a title. It's called Souvenir, and it is the first piece of Opus 10, which is a collection of seven piano miniatures. So I think you're going to notice a larger musical shift this time around. From Baroque to Classical, definitely has its differences, but from Classical to Romantic, this is going to be a more noticeable jump. I want to highlight three things to listen for. Number one, go ahead and throw out your metronome. The piece is labeled 84 to 92 beats per minute, which is great info for a bass, but the romantic idea is not to feel confined by the click, click, click of the metronome. Rubato is expected from a performer of romantic pieces, and hopefully you'll be able to appreciate areas where I temporarily slow things down. Number two, dynamic contrast. Not only can one alter the tempo to draw out emotion, but the volume can shift dramatically as well. If you look at the sheet music for this piece, there are P's and F's all over the place. The P stands for the Italian word piano, meaning quiet, and F stands for forte, meaning loud. So this piece ranges all the way from PPP, which means very, very quiet, like Elmer Fudd hunting rabbits, all the way up to F. So hopefully you will be able to appreciate some dynamic contrast here. And the third item to listen for that gives hints of the Romantic era is less concrete, but it's the periodic use of notes outside of the home key, giving some rich sounding chords and arpeggios. This piece is written in A-flat major, but it momentarily lapses into C-flat major, which is not even found in the A-flat major scale. This kind of unique progression is something that Romantic-era composers tended to do during this time, to dramatic effect. Here's an example of a passage starting in A-flat major, and turning to C-flat major. It gives it a depth of sound that is very modern for this time. So there you have it. There are three romantic features to pick out while we listen to the whole piece. I think you'll agree that we're taking a big leap here to a more modern sound. Here is Janari Karganov's Opus 10, Number 1, Souvenir.
and that is going to bring us right up to the 20th century. Now, the modern era is fairly diverse, so we're going to split it up across the next three weeks, focusing on one aspect each week. Next week, we're going to take a deeper look into the Impressionist movement and revisit our old friends Debussy and Ravel. If you'd like to play that piece over and over and over again, you can find it in the podcast feed. If you want to reach out to me, find me on Twitter at Piano Rhapsody or email me at pianorhapsodypodcast at gmail.com. You can find all of the recordings on this podcast and more at my SoundCloud page. You'll see a playlist on there called All Music, No Talk, if you prefer to have an uninterrupted stream of music without the talking episodes. I don't blame you. Thanks for listening. And if you're new to the podcast, a special thanks to you. Please take a minute to rate, subscribe, and review. I will talk to you all next week where we join the 20th century.